Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love. Sharing inspirational stories from freelancers around the world, freelance-specific business advice, practical tips, trends, events, and lifestyle features. Freelancers around the world are already getting the new one through their letterbox or into their inbox because there's a digital version too. Make sure you're one of them. Subscribe at freelancermagazine.co.uk and if I were you, I'd get those sweet, glossy pages in your hand. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for exhibition designer Rebecca Shippen. It doesn't need to be a hard sell email of I see you attending this show next year. Let's connect. I'm not really that kind of business person. I'd rather just keep it friendly and personable. And up to now, I've had a repeat business on these sites. So. I must do something right. I find it easier to switch off now than I used to. It wasn't an obsession, because I enjoy my work. I would work late and kind of not feel it. And I think that's the legacy of COVID, is that it made me think, hang on a minute, I can get by on less money. I don't have to take on every single job. I can actually allow myself to have time for myself. So there's Rebecca. This is one of those conversations where I go back and chat to somebody I've already spoken to. Rebecca was on the podcast in October 2015 and she'd already been freelancing for like five or six years after being made redundant. You can hear how she got started being freelance on that episode. Search for it or of course there'll be a link in the show notes to this one. But I thought since this is the ninth year of doing the podcast... It would be great to catch up with some of the previous guests and find out what happened next. If, though, unlike Rebecca, who's now been doing it years, you are new in your freelance journey or you know somebody who is, please do point them in the direction of the Being Freelance course. It takes the experiences of over 300 guests of the podcast plus my own and mingles them together this is what I think makes it different to any other freelance courses which are out there it's not just one person's take on it it's lots of people's oh man I wish I had this when I started you can know or the person but you know who is starting out maybe they're thinking of going freelance maybe they're in the first year please do tell them about the course go to beingfreelance.com slash course and you now get six months membership of the community included so you start surrounded by people going through what you're doing or want to be doing beingfreelance.com click on course right now though we're off to Hull in the UK to chat to freelance exhibition designer Rebecca Shippen hey Rebecca hello hello so normally I start by saying how did you get started being freelance obviously there's a whole episode that people can go back and listen to but that was in 2015 I think you'd been freelance for about six years and you were a freelance exhibition designer I just described you as the same so that's a good start Uh, but yeah what what happened next well, when I spoke to you, I just won the Ipse Freelancer Award thing, which I know you've also won now. So <gasps> well, I didn't get Freelance of the Year like you. You still got an award, though. I did get an award, though. It's, it <laughs> might be on that shelf behind me. Yeah. <laughs> so you just won that. That's I just right. won that, yeah. And then because of that, I'd moved into being a limited company because it just felt like I kind of grew up, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um so I think when we spoke, that was the point I was at where I'd gone limited. I'd started getting some bigger clients as a result of the award. But essentially, the job that I was doing has stayed exactly the same, which is 
designing exhibition stands for clients um, all around the world. So I've been doing that now for 13 years, which is unreal. That's <laughs> so cool. That's right. So you're trading ships and pigs. That's right. That's me. That's your business name. But you don't pretend to be like an agency. You're, you're proudly, it's me. Yes. And you were getting clients via build agencies for exhibitions or creative agencies I seem to remember yeah and has that changed at all Uh, I still do a lot of work for build companies who haven't got creative bones in their bodies and need to outsource (laughs) the creative um, and also to other creative agencies who are just stacked with work and need an extra pair of hands but I guess what has really changed since we last spoke is that I've got quite a few of my own end clients now who are attending exhibitions and need design support and for whatever reason they wanted to use freelancers and smaller smaller companies like myself which is great because that is always what I wanted to do would be to deal with clients myself and it just started happening around 2017 time I started getting calls from these end companies and I thought where are you all coming from I haven't really done any specific promotion <laughs> but yeah that's that's kind of the, the biggest change in that I've now got a good balance of working for companies that just need an extra pair of hands versus being treated as almost like a little design agency even though it is just me. Has that made a difference to like the way you deal with those clients so previously there would be somebody but your client would be a middleman yeah. as it were to the middle person uh, a middleman to the to the end client so how how are you finding dealing directly with them oh it's just like 10 times easier because I haven't got the middleman who might get uh, you know the Chinese whispers effect um I can almost manage the end client's time a bit more if they say they want the design doing I can say okay well that will take two weeks as opposed to the middleman who might tell the end client that they can have it back tomorrow before checking with me. (laughs) Um, So it does make it easier in that way, but it can also be a little bit more stressful because you haven't got anyone that's going to kind of back you up if you do something wrong. You've got to face the music if the client's not happy. Um, But it does make you feel a bit, it, it just makes me feel better, I think, when I'm dealing directly with the client because I know that I'm being respected and taken seriously by the person that's making the final decision which is a nice feeling what I do have and it it kind of keeps it safe is that I've got some really good build teams because I've worked with build teams for so long builders I know who's good and who I want to build the stands for me so in a way I, I kind of I'm very transparent with my clients and I say look I don't build the stands I don't build exhibition stands but this is the company that will build your stand so you deal with them direct when it comes to making payments for the bigger build, bigger budget jobs the client pays me for design and then I say right here's the builder sort out the payment between the two of you <laughs> and then it stops me becoming the middleman because that's the last thing I want to happen um so yeah in terms of how I do my business it's still very much they pay me for design and that's it which keeps things simple <laughs> And how how do you keep those relationships alive So after they've come to you that first time? I think just I always do a social media post afterwards and tag them in and, you know, pick them up and say, you must check out this company. They do X, Y or Z. And I think it's just a case of keeping that communication just through casual conversations online. It doesn't need to be a hard sell email of I see you attending this show next year. Let's connect. 
I'm not really that kind of business person. I'd rather just keep it family and personable. And there's nothing to stop them going elsewhere in future years. That happens a lot. But up to now, I've had a repeat business from these clients. So I must do something right. (laughs) (laughs) And there was the small thing of the COVID pandemic, right? When I'm imagining for someone like you, basically exhibitions wouldn't have happened Mm -mm. so how yeah how did you get on with that uh it was awful um it was awful for everybody I I wasn't the worst affected and because I'm a small business i.e just me I don't really have many overheads I could kind of ride out the storm I switched to website design brochure design social media management you name it I just said yeah I can do that and I didn't earn anywhere near as much money, but it was enough to just keep momentum and just keep your brain active to actually be in the mood to work. Because <laughs> I think we all kind of got a little bit lazy. Um, I know when there was talk of events coming back, I was thinking, I don't think I've got it in me. <laughs> Go back to work. And we obviously soon got over that mindset and got back into it. But yeah, it, it wasn't the easiest. And I know a lot of the big exhibition companies did really struggle. It was a very hard time because there was just nothing, absolutely nothing. I mean, you say it like it was easy. Oh, I sort yeah, of pivoted to doing this, you know, website design, graphic design, anything design. Um, but how did how did you do that? And and have you since let it go? I think, um, I think people felt sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Because um, I, I went on to what the website formerly known as Twitter and poured my heart out and said, you know, this is awful and my my industry's gone and who knows if it will ever come back. And I think I have quite a good connection on uh, a good bunch of people on Twitter and also in Hull, it's a big city, but everyone's quite close-knit and everyone kind of knows each other. And I think they just sort of said, oh, well, we could do a new website, Becky. Why don't you do that? Or oh, we need a new brochure. Why don't you do that? And I think a part of it was just that they felt a little bit sorry for me. But then I did a good job. So they came back for more. So it just kind of built from there. Um, and I still do. I've got website clients that I built in that time that I still manage their website for now. So it was a little sidestep, but it's meant long term I can offer that service as well. So well i'm glad you yeah. got through it um, yeah i did th- that reminds me though actually you did talk about in your when we spoke you know i can't do the maths eight years ago <laughs> about twitter you were saying how important it was you know but mainly it was that you felt quite isolated and you found this community uh has that changed at all yeah other than well <laughs> you're gone <laughs> I don't like Twitter anymore. It's become really toxic. Um, and I'm sure lots of people would agree. Um, there was a really good community of designers on there and they're probably all still there, but I can't see them through the fog of everyone being so angry politically. So <laughs> I'll post something all shiny and happy about a design job I'm doing and it goes unnoticed. But if I tweet something about the Tory party, everyone will go, yeah, you're right, <laughs> and get on it. And I'm like, oh, goodness sake can we talk about something else um so I've I've locked my Twitter account now I'm gonna still call it Twitter even though it isn't um and I've moved on to threads which is very quiet right now but it means that you can just kind of start afresh and just talk about work and leave the politics and the angriness 
to yeah. other people. And what about, so I must admit, right, I went to search for you on LinkedIn because I was thinking, I'm sure last time we spoke, she'd been freelance six years. I wonder how, I thought, I'll just look, I'll look. I searched for you. I couldn't find you. Are you not on LinkedIn? <laughs> I'm not on LinkedIn. Well, I, I deleted my account because I never got any work out of it. I must have been on there six years and I never got one lead, one connection, nothing. And to be honest, I find it quite a boring platform. No one talks. They just talk about themselves. <laughs> Everyone just talks about themselves and says how great they are. And I think, where's the humour and the chat? There isn't any of that. So I deleted my account. Well, on the plus side, I can tell you no other Rebecca Shippham's come up. Yay. So it's not like someone's <laughs> going to get mistaken and suddenly get asked to design an exhibition stand. But you're mainly getting clients because you already exist and have existed for so long and have such good relationships and reputation in what in your niche. Yeah, um, I think so. And I do pay for Google AdWords as well. So that ah. helps. Um, I get customers to leave me reviews on Google, which gets you bumped up the page. Um, I keep my website up to date, good SEO on there, well, as good as I can do on my own. And yeah, I think it's just word of mouth. Obviously, 13 years in industry, you do get the same people that have maybe moved to a different company that kind of take me with them, if you like, and recommend me. But then there's new clients coming all the time, and I can only put that down to Google and just making sure that that's up to date frequently. And and social media, I think, does help because it gives a personality to that brand. It's often the first thing I do is look on someone's social link on their website to see kind of what they're posting about and what they're talking about. Yeah, I think that's kind of as a package how it works and how I continue to build clients. So with Google AdWords, it must help that you've got a really defined niche, I guess. Yeah, it's very niche. Um, when you Google freelance exhibition designers, you haven't got much competition, <laughs> which does mean you don't have to spend a fortune, which helps. <laughs> um, I think I spend something like £30 a month. It's nothing. Um, and it does obviously come back with jobs which is great um but once the advert's set up it's just set up you can go and tweak it if you want to but if it's if it ain't broke don't fix it basically that advert that I've got running now has been running for about five years I'm not going to touch it (laughs) I'm not going to do anything it's working so and that would be an ad that comes up if I was to search for a freelance exhibition designer so it's not like appearing on other blogs that sort of ad it's a search term yeah exactly just you google it and i'll appear hopefully and with that in mind do you like blog on your website do you regularly update your portfolio or i don't blog on it i did start that but i i just find them too much it's quite time consuming to blog and to think about what to say and make it interesting um like I say, I keep my socials up to date and I'm forever updating the work on my website to make sure that my portfolio is constantly changing and up to date. Um, otherwise, it starts to just be the same and I get sick of it. <laughs> I get sick of my own website. So I'd constantly change that and keep the uh, the work on there up to date. And then, it again, it just helps with Google because I've got loads of images on there now where you search for freelance exhibition designer. How much time do you set aside for that because I I speak to some people and they find it hard to find the time not necessarily for this podcast I just mean freelancers in general they find it hard to find the time to maybe change their portfolio at a case study or whatever 
Yeah, it is. I understand that it is quite time consuming, and I know many other designers that because we kind of enjoy it. When I hmm, I think I might start a new portfolio, and then before you know it, it's two in the morning. Um, <laughs> I use I use Squarespace to build my website, and they're really really good for quickly being able to put together like a carousel of images or a gallery of images, and it looks nice. You don't have to spend too long perfecting it because it's kind of already done for you. So that's how I do it because then I know that the work's out there, it's quick, it looks passable, it looks nice, um, and it saves me a ton of time of trying to make it perfect myself because <laughs> that's what we all do, right? Yes, back with Rebecca in a moment. She very kindly mentioned that I won an Ipsy Award. She'd won Freelancer of the Year back in 2014, I think it was. Last year, in 2023, I won Community Champion for what I do with being freelance, both with the podcast and with the community. So yeah, it's an award-winning community that you could be joining if you fancy spending this year not just by yourself being freelance but surrounded by others doing the same thing asking questions brainstorming sharing wins finding friends frankly and in many cases collaborators and co-mentors it's also a fun place to be yeah we like our businesses but we also like to have a laugh as well so if you fancy joining us go to beingfreelance.com click on community and i'll see you in there right now though let's get back to rebecca's story now the last time we spoke you were i think you were partly sometimes working from home by the by we're years down the line. Yeah. How's that changed over the years? Um, still in the same place in that I've got this studio space, but I also have like the, the flat that's just through that door. Um, so it's kind of working from home, but there's like a retail unit attached to the front of our flats. So it kind of feels like you're going to work, even though you're just going through a door. It feels like oh, it's got right. a different feel to it. It's very handy. So that's how I have this nice big office, um, even though it isn't part of my home. I don't really have to commute. I just walk through a different door. But does it feel like a mental commute? Yeah, massively, massive mental commute. The biggest challenge is leaving that door. Because once I'm in here, I get stuck, I start working and I start to enjoy it. And I think I must actually go out that door. <laughs> do you find it hard to switch off or do you not care? Yeah. <laughs> I find it easier to switch off now than I used to because I used to, it wasn't an obsession, but because I enjoy my work, I would work late and kind of not feel it. And I think COVID, that's the legacy of COVID is that it made me think, hang on a minute, I can get by on less money. I don't have to take on every single job. I can actually allow myself to have time for myself. So that's the positive side of COVID is that it's maybe take a step back and think, well, you know what? Let's stop work at six and go out for a walk or do whatever else I want to do. Um, that's not, I, I, it makes me sound like I've got really good discipline. There are many times that I'm still sat here at eight or nine at night if there's a deadline. But generally speaking, I'm quite good at taking a step back and, and stopping <laughs> if I need to. Have you picked up like hobbies to uh, sort of? Yeah, I play piano. Um, I've been playing piano. I played piano as a child and then stopped when I was about 16. Picked it up again about 10 years ago. 
and now I've got grade eight piano, I'm learning a bit of jazz. It's, so that's good because I have a lesson every week. So it's like discipline, discipline gets me away from the desk and to do something fun. Um, and then other than that, just walking. I like to walk and go out for food. <laughs> Two excellent hobbies. That's so cool about the piano though. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's good fun. Um, yeah, I'm not very good at performing. I get too nervous, but that's the next challenge, I think, is to get out there and think all the ivories in front of people. Excellent. Right, I'll come back in eight years and <laughs> yeah. just before you headline the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. But do you look to the future you or do you like quite happily, you know, just keep going doing the do? Uh, I do sometimes think about the future and whether or not else we'll be doing this in 30 years. I can't think of doing anything else, really. Um, I do think about my younger self, like young, young freelancer, and think, God, like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I look back at some of my early invoices and think they got value from money, like, big style. <laughs> So I, I do, maybe I maybe I wonder because I've learned so much in the last thirteen years. I wonder how much more I'll learn. Um, yeah, I think the biggest challenge I'm learning now is sticking up for myself. So is that brought on by the fact that you're dealing with clients more directly? No, they're they're easy. It's it's sticking up for myself with the middleman. Who, oh right, yeah. It can be hard sometimes to be. I think we touched upon this when you did a, a space thing. Is it spaces? Oh, yes. And we all touched it. You, you spoke to a few people, and they all said, as freelancers, they feel like a sort of part-time member of someone else's team that they can just chuck stuff out. And I, I know a few people said that when I listened to it. Um, so you've got to stick up for yourself as a freelancer. Say, no, I'm running my own business here. I'm not an extension to your team that you can just throw stuff at when you feel like it. Like, so, yeah, that's that's a challenge that I'm currently trying to overcome is sticking up for myself a bit more. Do you have business, I don't know, buddies, co-mentors, coach, like what any, any of those sort of terms, or do you just figure everything out? Yourself? No, I've, I've got two, two besties, Laura and Steve who are both freelance designers as well and we speak every single day um, and we will send each other work and say what do you think to this and sometimes we just do it just so that we can give each other praise because we already know it's good but we just want that (laughs) affirmation from someone else to say yeah good job send it off Um, or just someone to say well have you thought about doing this or changing this bit and it's really helpful because you can be you can be really lonely freelancing so I would say that's a big thing if you are freelancing anyone like try and find someone that's maybe in a similar line of work to you and don't treat them as competition if you're in that kind of industry like someone that you can have as a mentor or a buddy or whatever you want to word it as um yeah it stops that isolation for sure amazing Rebecca it's been so good chatting to you you've got to go to beingfreelance.com there'll be links through so that you can uh, find Rebecca online and if you've not listened to the original episode we'll put a link to that or just search um, wherever you found this one and go back and find that but for now it's been really really lovely catching up and all the best continuing being freelance (laughs) yes thank you
thank you so much to Rebecca. I know, quite a short one, but back with a new story uh, a couple of weeks from now. Every other week I'm putting out new episodes at the moment. And actually, I should probably mention the one before this. So just before Christmas, uh, as it went out, I put out Eddie Schlainer's freelancing story. And I'm always conscious that whatever I put out before Christmas might get lost in the fact that you're too busy listening to Mariah Carey songs. So if you did miss that one, please do go back and listen. Just open your podcast app. Go back to the previous episodes. We've had so many great ones since the end of last summer. The most recent was Eddie Schlainer. Uh, of very good copy if you enjoyed the podcast think about leaving a review wherever you found it particularly apple Podcasts. it's easy to do you can also rate them on spotify and what have you in the meantime i'll be hanging out as ever in the being freelance community so it would be nice to see you in there you have a great week being freelance <laughs> <laughs>